On this episode of the AW360 podcast, I speak with Brian Holman, co-founder and chief creative officer of We Are Royale. Brian and I discuss the shift from passive media to active media. Think television to gaming. Brian discusses his origins with Flash Animation back in the day to his present role creating amazing campaigns of all shapes and sizes for some of the biggest players in the active media space. I hope you enjoy this episode. Brian Holman, welcome to the AW360 Podcast. I am very pleased to have you on today. Thank you. I'm uh, I'm happy to be here as well. So you're a co-founder and CCO of We Are Royale, which makes an acronym of WAR, which is fascinating. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> tell us a little bit about We Are Royale and what you guys do. Nice. Uh, well, I guess we're a creative production company, right? Um I think the thing that we tried to to focus on ever since the beginning really has just been a really solid, good design, right? Ground everything in good design. Everything else will flow out of that. So from a production company standpoint, we do a little bit of everything um, from animation, commercial, marketing. I think about just about everything is grounded in, you know, brand and marketing. But, uh, uh, you know, animation, a little bit of interactive, a little bit of AR, VR, a little bit of game development. Um, you know, from an execution standpoint, everything from, uh, like I said, animation to live action, all over the place. Excellent. So, so many things, so many things, <laughs> all of the things. It looks like you do a lot of work in the interactive space. Um, tell me, how yeah. did you get involved so much in interactive? It's fun. That's, uh, in a lot of ways, my career has come a full circle, I want to say, kind of. Um, Prior to opening up the doors to war, I worked at a company called Exopolis. Um, and at Exopolis, I was working on, uh, you know, flash movie sites. Back in the days when, <laughs> nice. when flash was a thing and you can sit there and, you know, wait for, you know, two minutes as like the site loaded and all you got was a little load bar. Yeah. And that was perfectly acceptable experience. Um, so back in those days, I was, uh, I, was, I was helping building up sites for, you know, Chronicles of Riddick and corpse bride and stuff <laughs> you went through the shock yeah. of when they uh, flash was uh kind of deprecated and apple yep. said hey no more flash and then 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 what <laughs> mm -hmm. and i think all along you know in school i was trained as a 3d artist so i came out of school thinking i was going to be in like vfx or something um and i think my passion really just started to started to go towards you know motion graphics a little bit um the interactive side with exopolis uh, and so I think like, you know, that, that heritage, the love of interactive has always been a thing that I, that I carry with me. Um, and so even when we opened up the doors of war, uh, we still entertained some interactive work, maybe about halfway through the lifespan, maybe about what, seven, eight, no, even more, it's almost 10 years ago that we actually started up a proper interactive team. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, you know, ever since, you know, we've been, we've been dabbling in, in what full 360 is what I love to say. And even when I was working at Exopolis, they were trying to, they were trying to position themselves to be that like full 360 solution. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of where we are today. Well, you have, you have clients ranging from apple to the u.s air force with all points in between but some of the ones that really stand mm -hmm. out to me are some of the big game companies so riot games yeah. pokemon 
uh, Meta and, and all facets of yep. Meta, you know, yep. every, everything is, is Meta these days, Oculus and Facebook and, and what have you. Activision, Blizzard. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's got to be just, just looking at the, the products and services offered by such a wide range of companies like that. It would feel like you have a absolutely fascinating job, but one that probably has a lot of challenges to it. Just, you know, kind of getting those messages across for all those different types of products and services. Yeah, I think especially now we're seeing the rise of, you know, gaming, gaming media, game marketing, marketing within games. Um, that interactive space that we used to, you know, build just one-off experiences that were, you know, eye candy back in the days of Flash, right? But pretty shallow at the end of the day, right? You know, yeah. the things that we were doing for movies back back then were, you know, just character breakdowns, you know? Like the information that you were getting, the experiences that you were getting, pretty pretty shallow. Now, um, you have brands, you know, wanting to dabble in, you know, like big world experiences within Roblox or, I don't know, right? The, the world... The world is starting to acknowledge how the interactive media is um is uh is is so much more engaging than um than the passive one, right? Than the than the one of the thirty second spots where you can just put all of your money in there. Um, and I think that the same kind of explosion is happening within gaming as well, right? Um, and uh, to that, right? Like I I grew up. I am a product of the eighties, right? I grew up <laughs> um in video games. I, I grew up as a gamer. Um. And I think a few years ago, uh, I was sitting down with our director of uh, business development, Heidi Netsley. We're sitting down. We're just like, yeah, I don't know. Like, we're, we're you know, what do we want to do? Like any company, you know, you're going to go out there and you're going to try and target work three, four years out. Um, and the and the fun thing is that we we had a little bit of gaming work um, in our portfolio, but not not. A crazy amount and for it to be a passion of mine of just being a gamer and growing up a gamer uh it seemed kind of silly that we weren't in that space um yeah and so we just you know we made some headrows and uh, i mean say what you will about just just you know blanket enthusiasm is what i what i brought to uh <laughs> to to us cracking into that industry and um and you know i mean you just you make a ton of really good uh inroads um and so yeah, so we've been we've been working with gaming companies. Uh, um, oh, like luckily and thankfully, we've been working with a lot of really cool gaming companies, and the work that they have is very diverse, which is awesome. Um, but every single job, man, every single job is is an amazing challenge. It's an amazing creative challenge to take on. It's completely different IP. It's completely different in visuals, um, in execution. Everything about it is is really nice. Um, and I think I'll, I'll, I'll say one more thing um, to this, but the, the creative diversity is a thing that I've always looked for in, uh, in my career uh, for the studio. And that's, that's one of the things where, you know, you look at our site, we're very diverse client wrist, uh, list list um, and very diverse work. Hopefully it comes off as, as such, you know, mm -hmm. um, but that's intentional, right? Like, Back, uh, uh, you know, a handful of years ago, we had, we had, you know, representatives that, that would say that we need to focus on one thing, you know, just to just do that one thing and do it really well, because it's easier to sell yourself. Um, but I was never really interested in doing that. And I think it it's paid off now because 
uh, with this with this entire industry shift towards direct-to-brand and brands themselves, even opening up their own internal studios like ours. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like working with a brand and having a diverse range of abilities of what you can execute against the creative helps them tremendously. It means that they can find a partner in us that's longer term than just a one-off you know, piece of animation that they have, right? Um, we've been working with Riot Games for four or five years now. And really our history with Riot Games goes back to like the very beginning. We've been working with them, you know, off and on for a while. Um, but what they value in the partnership is the fact that, you know, whatever they have on the table, whatever crazy brief that they're cooking up over there, they know that we can execute something against it. Um, and so that trust means that it's one less thing they need to worry about. You know, it's one less thing, especially with the timelines that we're dealing with um, just about everything these year, these, these days. Um, you know, not worrying about that one thing and having a trusted partner is a very valuable thing. Yeah, definitely. And when it comes to the public acceptance, if you will, of interactive media, <laughs> yeah. you know, which which I, I find yeah. as, as a gamer myself, pretty much, you know, roughly the same as you are and probably yeah. same history. I laugh every time I see the big headlines of, you know, oh, my God, you know, the new Call of Duty had made almost a billion dollars on day one. You know, mm-hmm. who would have thought? And you mm-hmm. go, well, I would have thought because, you know, I've seen this headline 40 times at this point, you know, this yep. is, this is every, been... <laughs> every single goddamn year they're making that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it's hardly a new thing, but it does seem as though, you know, when it comes to the different platforms that, that brands have to be on to, to get the message out about all of this stuff and all the different opportunities that that presents, you know, be it sort of static work versus interactive work versus, you know, mm-hmm. a hybrid of the two versus now, you know, the, the metaverse, whatever that may entail or may not mm-hmm. entail in mm-hmm. the future. That seems like it opens up a lot in terms of, you know, from humble beginnings in Flash to yeah. to now where, you know, you guys are creating everything from a trailer to snap lenses and, and things of that nature yeah. and, and full on 3D experiences. How do you go about finding both inspiration to do that? And I think in a, in a, I don't want to call it a quick way, but in a timely mm-hmm. way, learning what's new, applying that to your arsenal of things, you know, tricks you have up your mm-hmm. sleeve and then throwing some creativity into it as well. I mean, that, that seems like a pretty tall yeah. order. Uh, you know, it isn't, it isn't. I think, I think we, we went into this industry. It's a creative field. We know that we need to, to always constantly reinvent ourselves and keep doing new things and keep up with the new stuff. And to tell you the truth, man, like keeping up with the new stuff, um, you know, that's, that's a, that's a function of like, we, we're always hiring new people. We're always bringing in new talent. Um, we have, we're trying to make it even more robust of an internship program. All of, all of the new talent that is out there on the scene is learning new things and bringing new things to the table. Um, and so the software that we use, right, the, the tool sets that we use to execute our creative um, is always in, it's always in flux. It's always changing. Mm-hmm. You know? Like the, the, new, the new thing, you know, for today is to wrap our heads around Unreal and bring, bring, uh, bring traditional artists who really are, you know, working in Maya, working in C4D, um, you know, give them a bridge, give them a way to, to, to bring their creativity into Unreal. Um, and then, hey, look, everything they do is going to be interactive, um, or could be, at least the possibility is there. So the tools always change, and I think that's kind of what's fun about what we do. Um, the 
the uh, the directive of the studio where design kind of rules all. Um, good design, a good conceptual background, like foundation. So long as you have those two things in lockstep, um, how we execute it can expand to a, to a bunch of different ways. And that's kind of what you see on on our site, right? Like, you know, the same people who are creative directing um, and producing and designing, those snap lenses are, are also creative directing the, you know, big, you know, big campaign that's got to go across media. And um, they're the same people who are doing, you know, toolkit design for broadcast or for live production. It's the, it's the same creatives who are like leading the, or it's the same creative leadership team. Um, it's just, it's, you know, you, you execute that design, you execute that creative across different platforms. So many disciplines. I find that so fascinating. When it comes to the work, what campaigns that you've done in recent years stand out to you as, I think, yeah. both, you know, the best, the most interesting, the, the funnest to work on, and, you know, the most creative? I, I've, I've got to give a shout out to Riot Games on this one. Um, just about every creative brief that they that they give to us. And the relationship we have with Riot is they, they do a, a heavy amount of thinking internally on like what they want to do and kind of what lane, let's say, they want to be in, right? Mm -hmm. But outside of that, they kind of give us the keys to, to the car and they're like, all right, you know, take us there somehow. Um, and so there's a lot of creative freedom in the work that we get from Riot. Um, I, uh, I, can, I can single out um, a couple things. Both of them are going to be on the Valorant side. Um, but I think uh, with uh, Valorant competitive, so their eSports side, mm -hmm. um, we've done a thing um, for LCQ, last chance qualifiers for those people who are you know, keeping track of Valorant. Um, and both of those are like, man, last year we did one that was that was probably the most aggressive piece that we've done <laughs> across the entire studio in terms of like editorial tone. Um, it was just very aggressive, but the, the execution, you know, the CG was on point. It was, it was, it was executed in a very experimental way. And I think when you allow us to experiment and explore, that is a, that is a luxury. Not many clients are willing to what, take the time to do yeah. these days. Yeah. Um, and I think Riot understands that if they just give us a little bit of, you know, leeway to experiment and play and explore and come up with new things, that's how you're going to get something that looks crazy, you know, something that looks cool. Um, yeah. So I think across the board, anything, any of the work that we've done for Riot, there's, um, there's, there's a really cool brief behind it. Yeah, it feels like some of these, you know, Riot in, in particular, you know, Blizzard on the Activision Blizzard side, um, Square Enix is, is another one. All three of these have these very much loved IP that over yeah. time, you know, they, they all have a look. They all have a, yep. you know, everybody knows when when a trailer comes on, they're watching, I don't know, the, the Game Awards or whatever. They show a new trailer. It starts up. You can go, oh, that, that's going to be a Square Enix game. You know, you know that you yep. can see it. You know, you know, yep. it's going to be a Blizzard game. How easy or difficult is that, or maybe both, to kind of take those assets and that stuff that, you know, the fan bases for all of these are, you know, very wild and, and very yeah. committed to these characters that, you know, each individual company has created. How is it working with stuff like that? Uh, it's a really good question. It's a really good question. I think, I think a part of that 
you know, part of that answer, a little bit of it, right, goes back to why Valorant is so cool to work with because it's new. You yeah, know, it's yeah. it's relatively a new game. They're still figuring out their identity, so the experimentation is perfectly fine. Um, and I mean, they would admit as much internally too, right? Like, you know, they're kind of still screwing around finding the identity. Um, and you know, the fear is that in ten years, when Valorant is an established IP that's been around forever, they're gonna they're gonna put in all of the rules that all of the other brands have. To tell you the truth, it is it is it is always challenging when you're working with an established IP that has just a celebrated history, right? Because it gives you it doesn't give you the elbow room to to reinvent it, right? Reinventing things like that is such a huge initiative, right? It's it's the you know um, the ship just becomes so big that trying to steer it or trying to turn it in a different direction is going to take a long time and a long process. Um, mm. So yeah, like, you know, with, with established IP and, and you're right in that, like, you know, Call of Duty needs to look like Call of Duty. Um, uh, <laughs> I think Pokemon is, is, is a brand that like very much has a box that you've got to design within. Um, and it's all good. You know, there's still, there's still creative latitude within that box. You just got to kind of find it. And what I will say, what I will say with all of these brands, and this is kind of a, 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 a thing that we, try to do as a studio as best we can um no matter who we're working with uh but you need to show them what's possible um so in a typical scenario right even if you're working direct to brand and it's like a single award and i'm just you know we're we're, we're, we're working with them right you still need to show them options right you still need to show them like you know well you know this campaign guys could go this way or this way there's always that like well we've got to get two or three options on the table um, and so the, the, the idea with established brands is that you show them, you know, you always show them a safe option. Um, but then you, on, on the, on the, on the end of the spectrum, right. You show them what could be done with their brand, with their IP, with their characters, if they pushed it way outside of their comfort zone. Um, and you know, going into it. They're not gonna. They're not gonna want to do that. That's that's fine. Like this is just us screwing around at this point. But but you need to show them that because that's gonna get the creatives in 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 um in the in the studios or in the in the client side, right? They're gonna get them excited about the possibilities, and then you know you'll inch it you'll inch it forward, right? Um, I I I will say the uh. This kind of relates to a lot of the things that we're that we're talking about, right? Particularly to the you know people being surprised that gaming has you know so much revenue going for it, right? It's so popular. Um, the the big decision makers, right, are are still you know like they've been doing this for a while, um, and so I think as as the generations change, right, and and you have more. People of our age who grew up on gaming, right, are starting to, you know, take a seat at the table. Um, you have even younger than than us, right? Like you have the new talent that's coming up in this world of like instant information at their fingertips. And the idea of social is a secondhand nature. You're going to have them kind of, you know, growing up to being the big, you know, big wig executive making the decisions. And I think you'll start to see change a little bit more accepted, you know, as 
as you know, as, as some people retire, you know, <laughs> as the as the changing of the guard comes in, you know, and, and you're, in, I mean, I'm already starting to see that within a lot of the big brands that we work with, and like a big brands that like have been established for years, there is interest um, internally for for something different, something fresh, right? Um, and so these 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 like third wild card ideas that we throw out there to these big brands. They don't fall on deaf ears. They're actually like, they excite that core. It's just, they need to wait for that core to take a seat at the table to make some decisions. Um, so yeah, like, you know, it's a future thing, but change, change, you know, change will happen. For, for my last question, let's, let's go back to, to your gamer past and also mm-hmm. your, your gaming present, assuming you have one. Yeah, um, I try. So back in the eighties, favorite game. Mm, mm. Here's one. Um, Final Fantasy. Ah. And uh, and 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 here's the here's the thing. And that without getting too like we're too long, right? Um, I did not have a Nintendo, right? I did not have an NES. I had a Famicom growing up. I I was I was like you know born and raised on Japanese Nintendo basically. Um, <laughs> and I played I played because you know there's there's lots of reasons, right? Where my where my dad worked. And he got access to Famicom, and he got access to Famicom cartridges every summer. So every summer was, uh, you know, hey Brian, like, what, what do you want to play? And it's just here's a bunch of cartridges to pick from. You're like, All right, I want to play, you know, these three. Um, it was it was awesome because I had to commit those to those three games for the entire year. Yeah. Know, until the next summer comes around. So I picked up Final Fantasy because I don't know, like the cover of the cartridge looked cool. Um, <laughs> and and I brute forced my way through Final Fantasy without speaking or reading any Japanese at all. Um, and that's a text heavy game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and I think my affinity for Final Fantasy has stuck with every single Final Fantasy, you know, has, has come out there. So um, I'm looking forward to 16 coming out. Um, we've done work with Square Enix. We've done work with uh, Final Fantasy fourteen team. So that was a dream come true. That's a that's like a kid in a candy store. Oh yeah, how cool is that? Yeah, that was super fun. You know, just seeing the slate right when you're directing something that's like I grew up with this brand and it says Final Fantasy on it and director Brian Holm. You're like, damn it, okay. Well, fast forward to present, and you know you can't say Final Fantasy because that's you've already taken no. that one. Uh, what no. are you what are you playing now? My uh, my my guilty pleasure is always going to default back to Destiny now. Oh yeah, I'm okay. Familiar with Destiny? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I've been I've been playing Destiny, you know, since the beta of the first one, and uh, and I can't I can't shake it. I don't know something about what Bungie does, which yeah. again, kid in the candy store. Yeah, we, we get to work. We get to work with Bungie. You know, we're working on all the key art that they do for past catalogs for for Destiny. So it's, it's cool. It's so cool to to work directly within the industry that you love so much. Yeah, that's amazing. I I envy you to no end. I'm, I'm a Bungie <laughs> fan myself, going all the way back to, well, just before Halo, and then you know definitely through the Halo years and well into Destiny. So excellent. Well, Brian, I awesome. I appreciate you taking the time. This has been fascinating of stuff, course. and I I'm still scrolling through your your page of work <laughs> here. I don't think this page ever ends, but I appreciate you taking the time. It was great talking to you. Thank you so much. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts like this one, be sure to check out Advertising Week's ever-expanding podcast network at www.advertisingweek.com slash podcasts.